3: Episode three of the Premier Non-League podcast is back. Last time, I think we proved that we are PNLP, but is it time for you to be? Hopefully, we see it at the end of this episode. Stay tuned for an action-packed one coming up right now.
4: This is the Premier Non-League podcast.
3: Yeah, we're back tonight on the line. We've got Peter Vale, who's my co-commentator and podcast uh, writer for Worthing FC. Trevor Nell, another local Worthing fan and football writer. Ian Budgen. And we're also joined by Chris from the Mariners podcast, who's taken over Ronnie's position as the Northern correspondent. So did you have a little wrestle for that title? Because I think he was quite pleased after we named it that last time. Not quite. Everything we do is friendly. (laughs) Well, We we'll have a little friendly WWE wrestling match or something <laughs> fake like that. But anyway, chaps, how have we been this last couple of weeks? Uh, feedback from that first episode, really enjoyed it, and I think to have um, Ashley Williams on, one of, sort of Wales's captain, and such a you know really good person of the game, it was really good start. And the feedback I've had has been fantastic. Has anyone commented for you guys?
5: I've had a, a couple of uh, fans locally who have uh, had the really listen i sent the links to and yeah it went down really well i said i really enjoyed it and it flowed so let's let's keep it going
0: i think yeah um i've had a few a a couple of my friends obviously that are going to listen because they know that you know it's something i'm involved in and that and um thought it flowed quite quite nicely we had some, some some good banter between everyone you know some differentiating topics and um i think as well from from our point of view the reach we had on facebook where we've not you know put out really strongly, you know, what we've done and everything was was, was very good for the first go. You know, we can only get better and strive to be stronger.
3: No, it's really nice to see. Um, obviously, Ian couldn't make it last week because he's helping world well from COVID. whereas his COVID testing site agent, but it's nice to have you back on, mate, for the full episode, which is fantastic. And uh, how's it been your 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 couple of weeks? I mean, I know I know we're going to talk later about something you feel very passionate about, but last couple of weeks, you had much football action.
6: Um, well, due to due to my working commitments, I've seen uh, zero at uh, zero minutes of live football, which has been a bit of a shame. Um, and dare I say, actually, due to all of that, feeling a little bit disconnected from from certain aspects of the game, which we will uh, will no doubt cover later on.
0: Can I just say, James? Um, yeah. Johnny's obviously not with us tonight as he's watching um, Horsham and um, Carl Shorten as we uh, as we record. Um, he's just sent us a little video into our WhatsApp group and he's just shaking his head. I know the last we heard, Pete they were tuning <laughs> out. <weren't> they? <laughs> any any update enough. on that? <laughs> I don't-
3: really <laughs> i mean it's horsham it's the a24 derby it's like do I we mean, we haven't got boggler on the podcast anymore so we've just <laughs> got to make horsham our sort of rivals now and a little bit of friendly banter but, but maybe you should get a, a south a north shields on chris and then you could have the sort of fight fight between you two as well like and the correspondent from think, north shields <laughs> i think it would get a little bit heated <laughs> that would be difficult but chris how's your um South shields what's what's the latest there uh, how, how have how you been last couple of weeks performing wise doing well
2: um okay up and down um uh, oh, where do we start a mixture of wins draw draws and def- and a defeat um we had uh, 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 A win in the FA Cup. We're through to the third qualifying round of the FA Cup and we play Southport uh, tomorrow evening, which is Tuesday evening. And um, that was a a win at uh, Ashton United, having drawn with them in the league fixture just three days before. We played Radcliffe last Tuesday at home and suffered a a defeat, which obviously wasn't ideal. Uh, Performance was hit and miss, but on Saturday we went down to Bamba Bridge, which is, uh, for those of you who don't know, it's just near Preston. Um, and we put on a pretty decent performance, got a 3-1 win out of it. Hat trick for Jason Gilchrist. So um, so a mixed bag. On the whole, not bad. Not Are bad at all.
3: you happy with the start of your season, personally? No, not,
2: no. not particularly. Um, I would expect a little bit more, obviously. You can't look for perfection. But uh, we <laughs> I don't want to... Ronnie and I were commenting on the live stream um, on Tuesday night when we lost to Radcliffe. We, we were accused of being disrespectful to Radcliffe. Um, so I don't want to sound disrespectful. But South Shields have a big budget. There's, there's, no, there's no hiding behind that. They're more or less a full-time club. And to lose 3-1 at home on a Tuesday night to a team that were bottom of the league at that stage. Uh you know wasn't great. So there's a lot of questions that everybody's going to have to stand up and, and and put their hand up and 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 sort it out which Saturday was the next step on the ladder i suppose it was the next step on the way to getting it right and it was a decent performance not perfect by any means but um we are third in the in the northern premier league. Um it was clearly a long way to go but um I would say I'm seventy
3: five percent happy. No, oh, that's good to. It's good to hear. I mean, it's interesting you say that about the um, Radcliffe not happy about the commentary because myself, uh, Peter, runs the Worthing commentary service, mm-hmm. Triple Yell, um, and I've been on. Quite a lot of times, and I, when I'm on, I'm always the one that seems to be shouting against the other team. But we kind of go out and say, "Look, we are a worthy commentary service." You know, if the other clubs promote it, you know, you're doing it on behalf of South Shields. You're not doing it for the other side. So, yeah, of course, you're going to be biased towards your own well, team because it, that's what it is. Yeah, well, it wasn't a, a biased
2: in terms of commentary. What we'd said after the game, you know, Radcliffe's players were celebrating quite vociferously. You could hear them from the changing rooms across the other side of the ground. And they were celebrating as if they'd won a cup final. Now, I'd said something along those lines and somebody who was watching the stream clearly took offence at that and sent a message up to one of the Radcliffe directors who then came round to the gantry where we commentate from started shouting his mouth off, saying totally disrespectful. He was was escorted out of the ground. Thankfully, he was allowed back in, but... um, Basically, what he what he what he missed was the fact that we bigged his team up. We'd said, you know, they've come up to the northeast, they've done a job on us, got gone home with three points and fair play to them. You know, they they kind of deserved the three points. So he missed that. He missed that point completely. Yes, they they were celebrating as if they'd won a cup final, but you have got to remember that with South Shields being a kind of known as a money bagged club to to many people, to come up to South Shields on a Tuesday night and come away with a 3-1 win it's you know it's a massive massive coup for them considering they were bottom of the league so um they had every right to celebrate as if they'd won a cup final and we were just describing that we weren't being disrespectful at all and we we thought they'd done a job on us um but he took offense at it um we try not to be biased and in commentary we, we we do the same we say look sorry if we Um, come across as slightly biased, but we are self-shield supporters. We just do our best. At the end of the day, we're providing a service for people who ordinarily at this stage wouldn't see a game of football.
5: Yeah, I think that's it. Um, As we said, uh, you know, because of last season being null and void, you were top of the the league. Yeah. Um, Worthing had the same thing. Uh, So basically, this season... You you are a big scalp in your league like we are in our league. Of course. We, we we got beat midweek last week and you know the, the leatherhead players were having a little separation. But I knew you had a point about you know sort of on the commentary. Obviously we do it through the Worthy Supporters Association. Um so it's not the official club um commentary commentary service. Um they did it. they did ask us if we wanted to, but we said no, we want to keep it separate so that mm. we you know um so that we can say what we want if we feel something that needs to be criticised about the club. In that yeah. capacity, as part of the support association, you can do that. Of but course. When you're, if, when you're official, then, you know, you're you looked at to, you know, not not be not be sort of biased in any way. So, yeah, but we, we make no apologies on our radio station mm-hmm. for being, being totally biased, to be honest. No.
2: We, ours is more of an official commentary, you know, our, our, it's mm. for Southfield football Club, so we have to, you know, we are careful. I think we provide a a professional quality product in, in terms of kind of what we're able to do. Clearly, we're not going to be as good as the television, but we, we, we think we provide a, a good product. And then the podcast would, is then our um, thing where we can then give our opinions and, and say what we like. And, and um, we merely state the fact that basically we were frustrated because they were celebrating so much and it hurt. The fact that Radcliffe's players were celebrating and, and shouting and screaming so loudly, it hurt because they'd come up and done that job on us. Um we were just merely stating that, you know, look at them, listen to them. Um because probably it probably could have been picked up from the mic that they that you could probably hear the players and rightly so. They'd they, they put in a terrific 90 minutes and deserved to uh to take the three points back down to Radcliffe with them.
0: Chris, can I just ask, obviously, yourselves are very well supported. So, you know, a lot of people obviously travel as, as well and you've got the limits on attendances of that. Are a lot of clubs doing it by by ticket when South Shields are coming to visit or is it very much you turn up and if it's full, it's full?
2: Um, you no, know, it's, it's ticketed. Um, so, for instance, with it being the North of uh, the Northern Premier League, the vast majority of clubs are in the north-east and north And obviously, with what Boris has put out tonight it's clear that they're in restrictions but those restrictions are also impacted by the local the relevant local authorities so um clubs are selling tickets it's that they're all ticket matches um south shields are restricted at the moment to 300
0: right um
2: it was 600 but south Tyneside council our local authority have dropped it to three um we have 500 season ticket holders so we're having to um, allow, it's basically two bubbles of 250 because remember we have to allow tickets for the opposition and they are normally getting around about 45 tickets
0: right.
2: so um, if any are handed back then they be, are made available to to support us but um, we're stuck with 300 but at Bamber Bridge on Saturday there was over 400 in the ground and there were over 100 South Shield supporters down there and they purchase their tickets directly with Bamber Bridge.
5: It says there was 450, the attendance, on Saturday. Yeah. Is that, is, is that Bamber Bridge
2: limiting their attendance as well? or I've no idea because the, the, um, the actual um, numbers allowed in the ground is 30% of your minimum ground grading, which um, is 600. For, so for Northern Premier League, the, the minimum ground grade is 1,800 and whatever. So thirty percent equates to six hundred. So I guess they, their local authority might have capped it, but I guess that was a, that was was four hundred and fifty people. They they did say it was a sellout. So I'm assuming that that was a, a local authority thing as well.
0: And and from down where we are, we see the, the cases are rising northwest, northeast. Do you feel any less safe being in the game than you did back in <laughs> February, March last no. year?
2: It's absolutely. I feel as it's one of the safest places to be. Um, football supporter. I think one of my big bugbears is the fact that the um, the, uh, the the genuine football supporter is having their intelligence insulted, and um, there's a lot of uh, media um, narrative on this and. The football matches I've been to home and away this season, supporters have been impeccably behaved. And um, when we had a crowd of 600 for the first home game of the season, um, supporters behaved magnificently and to then have it cut to 300 was a real kick in the teeth. And um, the 300 who were there on Tuesday night um, witnessed a good game of football, but the atmosphere was just devastated. Um, empty spaces everywhere. And I did say in commentary, uh, and I make no apology for it, And if anybody from our local council and, and local FA were watching, hang your heads in shame because you can't tell me that you can, couldn't get another 600 people into Mariner's Park or First Cloud Arena, as it's called now, so you, that you couldn't do it safely. Space, there was, was just massive, massive spaces all over the ground, and it's a real shame. Um, but But on the whole... I think football supporters are getting a raw deal. Do you
6: think that that's down? And I've had a discussion with with some people about this before. But do you think the treatment of fans currently, with the yeah the reduced attendances and stuff, is down to sort of uh, the previous history of sort of hooliganism and bad behaviour, sort of going back twenty, thirty years? There's a little. There's a little bit in that, um,
2: because the you have this. Um, stock in trade thing where a football supporter is going to get boozed up, have 15 pints or 15 cans of lager and then go into a football ground and cause trouble when quite frankly, you know, that's the minutest of um, percentages mm. of, of of genuine football supporters, particularly at non-league level. Let's, let's be frank, um, non-league football has probably the, the best behaved um, support in the game. Um, we've, at South Shield, we only noticed a little bit of trouble at games which are high profile. You're going to get it because it, but they're not football supporters. They're going into football grounds to cause trouble. There's a, they have a different, different mindset. You know, they, they've got other um, access to grind so they're going to cause trouble regardless. It's, it's you find... Do you find,
3: Chris, do you find it like, because obviously with Worthing, um, myself and Peter, and Trevor, um, our big games against Bognor, the South Coast yeah. Derby, El Classico, as we call it. And we did them twice last season. But we find, and Bognor especially, but for the bigger league games like we had against Folkestone as well, who were top of the league with us. You know, we were tied for that first place before it got curtailed and it was the match at home at Woodside road. Do you find there are certain matches that appeal maybe to the casual? Because we found that maybe some people that were banned from Portsmouth or that were banned from Brighton would come along to the Worthing games. And, you know, we, there was a time and, you know, we could, we could talk for hours off the air about it, but me and Pete, we were, we, we did a friendly march from the station pub to the Bogner's ground um it was meant to be just you know Worthing, no no hooligans, but you had some silly kids smashing like bins over, smacking windows, um, uh rear mirrors on their cars and everything like that. And it was just it, it really gave us a bad name because you saw these residents that thought, Oh Worthing, what a bunch of hooligans and it's not fair for the people that are genuine. So do you find that is there many things that like you find that in the Northern Premier or especially with South Shields that they're games that were trapped, should we say it in you no know, in non names to wrong-uns?
2: Yeah, um, going back to when we mentioned North Shields earlier on, um, North Shields play in the Northern League. and When we won the Northern League in 2017, um, we we went to North Shields and they'd been riding the crest of a wave all season, were miles ahead of us in the league, but we had so many games in hand to catch up. When we went to North Shields, um, the place was a sellout and it was a little bit of trouble, but it was, again, some of the old Newcastle ultras who had been, banned from St James's Park. So you're gonna get that. And then we played Stockport in the FA Cup or FA Trophy last season, they sent a few wrong But again, that's Football League, you're gonna get that. Yeah. because The history of football hooliganism going back. Most most of these cases, it's just youngsters jumping on bandwagons, like we said before, mm-hmm. like the hooliganism of the 70s and 80s. It's, it's ideology of of, of of thugs and hooligans who just think, well, yeah. Let's go to football and cause trouble. The, I, I go back to what I said before. The genuine football supporter is having his and her intelligence insulted. And um, there's, a, there's a different narrative going on. The football grounds that I've been to this season have been the safest places of all. No 100%. question about it.
3: 100%, 100%. Chris,
0: I'll pick up on another point as well, which affects every single club up and down the country now with the new 10 o'clock rule where everyone's got to be out the clubhouse and everything like yeah. that. You know, turn the lights out, shut the doors, last one, lock the gate. Um, I was at East Preston on uh, Saturday, um, which is one of my local clubs. And um, in the um, in, in the programme notes, the chairman alluded to how much money they'd lost the last couple of midweek games for the first team and the under under-23s. Um, and um, you know that was in two games, running into nearly five hundred quid. Yeah. Obviously, yourselves have got a bit of a, a bigger budget than others. You know, does you know does that make a big inroad for you as it would for other clubs, or is it you Massive. know is it is it able to be looked after because of the you know the, the size of your budget?
2: The the average attendance at South Shields last season was one thousand six hundred. And for instance, when we played FC United, on the, which is the last game before lockdown, it, there was 3,200. You're talking in terms of match day revenue for that particular game, it is a five-figure sum. Um, bar takings, food sales, etc. So you're going from five figures to three. Not sustainable, is it? No,
3: not, not at, all. at all, not at all, yeah. not at all. Um, being from the northern sector of the non-league pyramid, uh Chris, have you? Did you ever come into any sort of context with uh, North Ferriby United before they so sadly went out of uh, business? Yes, yes, we did. Yeah, so what was your sort of memories about them and you know, from your point of view? Because just coming up in a second, I'm going to play out an interview that Johnny Kenwell, who's not on the line tonight, took with uh, North Ferriby, the new club's uh, social media partners, a little bit about what happened there. But, but So we're going to lead into that now. But, you know, obviously from being from that northern area, what, what was what's your history and what do you know about North Therapy? United, North as it was...
2: My my knowledge is very limited. One of our other podcast team, who he hasn't been on the podcast for a long time, but a guy called Terry Wilkinson, he he, he took a, he was quite, quite in, not involved with North Ferry, but kept a real good eye on them. They, they, they climbed through the pyramid very quickly. Um, it was a they were ran by a guy who pumped money in and then decided to bring the money out and wanted to sell the ground and blah, blah. And when we played them, which is I think two seasons ago. And they've been completely stripped bare, the, the playing resources, everything. It was just, it was very, very sad. Um, once, you know, a, a conference, a conference north side, suddenly arriving at Northern Premier League grounds in a minibus, um, getting players here, then from here, then everywhere just to get a side out. It was very, very sad. And it was indicative of what can happen if a club is mismanaged when you're suddenly reliant on just one person.
3: It, it's, it's a fascinating story I mean it's a very sad story as well because you know from from the interview that we'll hear uh, you know he, he went into detail about how the village was so proud like when they went to Wembley for the Vars and you know the whole village was there to see them off the ones that weren't travelling down and you know to have such a sort of small success story and people that really cared to the club to have it passed on to someone that didn't maybe had good ideas but didn't necessarily care Um, you know the fact they've come back as a Phoenix you know it, I, I love these stories about Phoenix clubs I mean we tried to get Berry, uh, Berry on the first podcast or one of them but you know, unfortunately for one reason or another they haven't got back to us it looked like it was going to happen and if they are listening please let us know because we'd love yeah. to hear from you and your story but you know you've had it over the years from MK Dons now you know you look at the AFC Wimbledon they might not be everyone's cup of tea but look where they've got to they've, they've risen through the ranks when they got moved to Milton Keynes for complete no reason at all and yes we're talking about professional football but then you've got the afc team that's built all the way up and th- these phoenix stories are fascinating so without further ado chaps we will play this interview now i hope you enjoy and then we'll come to you the fat again after so enjoy this interview from johnny thanks johnny
4: are you P-N-L-P? hi jack Thank you very much uh, for joining us today on the PNLP, the Premier Non League Podcast. Do you want to give yourself a little bit of an introduction as to who you are, what you do, club you represent? My name is
7: Jack Salt. I am the uh, social media op- officer for uh, North Ferriby Football Club.
4: To us, how are you getting on this season?
7: Uh, yeah, we've uh, we've only played how many games? Have we had four, four so far. Yeah. I believe it's fourth. God, I can't even remember the own team. Uh, yeah, it's four games so far. Um, we've done quite well so far. We're fourth in the table. We've uh, we've had a fairly good start. Ten points from five games. Uh, five games it is, actually, because I work, I've worked it out. You see, Ten points from five games. So we're, we're relatively happy, to be honest. We've... Uh, we had a couple of good wins. We had a good win on Saturday, 3 0 at home of Drumfield, and uh, it was a good win on Tuesday night, three-two away at Glasshoughton. We had a bit of a disappointing uh, loss away at Emley. That was that was one of those games where it was just a really hard battle, and we just. We just came out on the wrong side of it, unfortunately. But yeah, we've um, we've had a tough start. We've had three Tuesday night away games on the trot, so it's uh, it's been a lot for the players. But uh, yeah, it's um, it's been a really good start, obviously, into the next round of the FA Vars. So yeah, hopefully we can uh, we can kick on in that, and hopefully we can kick on in the league.
4: And are you still in the FA Cup at all? Have you not entered the FA Cup this year?
7: No. Yeah, we, uh, we didn't get in the FA Cup this season, obviously. When you go down to step six, where we are, it's um, it's kind of a look of the draw kind of thing. Only yep. three teams from our league managed to get in: Campion, Glass, houghton and our neighbours Hall Road. Um, they all they all got knocked out in the first round. So yeah, we're not quite in the FA Cup, but we're uh, we're giving the FA Vars a good go.
4: Yeah, and I, from what I understood, uh, they're, they're going to try and make the FA Vars this year a little bit more exciting in terms of some of the prize money that you can win in that. So to be honest, it's probably yeah. much of a loss. So.
7: The 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 biggest thing for any club from any of these cups is the financial aspect, and to uh, to get to get a little bit of financial backing off the back of it is uh, is really good. So a good club run is uh, is really important to us.
4: Yeah, absolutely. And what are the expectations for the season? Are you looking to get promoted or just to consolidate at the minute?
7: I with with the strength of the squad, the the motivation has got to be to get promoted. I mean, we've got players who have been playing in the Northern Premier League, Northern Premier League Division One. Uh, we've got a team who uh really, really good. We've got a good group of lads. Uh, we're really solid all over the park. And, yeah, the uh, the hope is promotion. This year, obviously, four go up from the division, so it's uh, kind of the best chance to do it as well. So, yeah, the aim is promotion. Winning the league would be nice, but it's not important as long as we're finishing that top four. I don't really think anybody cares, to be honest. But, yeah, that's, uh, that's the hopes and uh, that's the aims.
4: Oh, well, uh, hopefully uh, hopefully you do get promoted. Um, so what I wanted to sort of, the reason why I wanted to get North Ferriby on Premier Non-League Podcast is just to discuss, obviously, the last couple of years or so of North Ferriby and some of the disappointments that you've had and obviously now with the positives of the Phoenix Club sort of being resurrected. It was obviously very sort of publicised a couple of years ago that you're being wound up for, I think it was £7,645.25p and to be exact. And i mean that sort of sum of money seems relatively insignificant considering the money in the game so was there any more to the debts at all i mean what was what was your point of view on it i can tell you now it was more than that but
7: i will i won't go into detail but yeah it was uh, it was a lot more than that there was uh, there was debts with many companies it wasn't just the one that was brought up there but yeah it um it all just transcended into a bit of a how do I put it in a better way? It was a farce, basically. Debts weren't getting paid off, bills weren't getting paid, so uh, the ground wasn't being looked after. So it was, uh, it was clear that it was, um, it was just going to be wound up. Obviously, we had, uh, we had Jamie Wolfham and Carl Chadwick in, who had good visions for the club. Granted, but unfortunately, just weren't able to, um, weren't able to put any of them into practice. And I just think it was a. A mistake waiting to happen, and obviously it happened.
4: I know these uh, these were former players, correct?
7: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah Jamie, Jamie was a former player of ours uh, a while ago, um, and yeah, Jamie's obviously taken over at like Hull United. He's he was at Eastall, but he's uh, he's just resigned as chairman from there. So he's uh, he's been around in local football, and to be fair to the man, he tried. But just some of some of what he was. Um, Trying to put it in place was was pretty farcical, to be honest, and obviously it, t- it turned into a massive debate when he wanted to start putting caravans on the pitch. So, but yeah, there was there was there was a lot more to what um, to what got publicised. But like we say now, we're on the back of that. We've got the Phoenix Club going, uh, and we're looking forward and not behind.
4: Yeah, no, absolutely. And obviously some of the competitions that you were in at the time, you were in the National League, you were in the final of the Cup as well. Um, and did you win the Cup, I think, as well? Yeah, we, we, yeah, we won the uh, trophy in 2015, yeah. I mean, and yeah. It's, it's quite a fall from grace, really. Uh, in, in regards to the money, I mean, you're in a position there in the National League, where obviously the the money that you're bringing in is probably higher than it's ever been before. Was there any sort of leakage in the club at all, or I just it's it's a weird one because there was no up until the point
7: where Les left, there was always communication within fans, and that's why we were sustainable really well in the Conference North. But when Les left and and the Forsters took charge, it um. It kind of got a bit difficult. There was no real communication. The money seemed to seemed to dry up because in that national league we we were punching well above our weight. But overall, in the national league, it was a it was a really really fantastic season. We surprised many many teams in that year. I mean, one, one in particular, going all the way to Forest Green, and winning at Forest Green, yeah. just as, a, I think it was when we were relegated, actually. But yeah, just some, some results like that, going to York and winning and stuff like that. It's, um, it was a weird year, <clears throat> because obviously, there was no, there was next to no money being pumped into the squad. The attendances weren't really going up. They were a tiny bit, but not nothing major, nothing major enough to bring in enough money that we needed and it sort of it was just inevitable that we were going to get relegated and B from that point probably crippled us to be honest
4: yeah yeah fair enough and in terms of sort of the passion that you've got, I mean, a village team in the National League is pretty incredible. I think I read it's three and a half thousand inhabitants or something in North Ferriby. Yeah. What does the club mean to the village? I
7: think the club's massive for the village. I mean, it's put in a small village on the outskirts of Hull massively on the map. I mean, we uh, we were the pride of that village and we saw when, um, when we left for Wembley, the amount of people that turned out from the village, from the school especially, uh, at the top of the street, and, uh, and yeah, it was fantastic. Had, we've had a couple of complaints. Where there's a football club, there's many cars, and where there's many cars, there's not much parking. So uh, we've had a, we've had a few complaints from uh, from residents. But overall, the feedback is good. Um, <clears throat> I, I think we the residents like us, and uh, the residents are happy that they've got a club in their village. But to be honest, I'd probably say mo- most of the attendees probably come from outside the village, but. Like you say, when we uh, when we was in the conference, a village team in the conference is, is just quite ridiculous, really. And we we sort of had to take a step back and say, "Wow, what have we actually achieved here?" So uh, so yeah, it was um, it was really good. It was really good to put ourselves on the map, and obviously we actually, we actually turned into a a good little village side instead of just a small team on the outskirts of Hull.
4: Yeah, no, absolutely, and I suppose you probably have uh, the majority of Hull City fans as well, probably. Cheering you on uh, yeah. when when they're playing away potentially. So,
7: <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's a, that's a massive thing for us when when City are away and uh, when we're at home. We uh, we often see a bit of an influx in attendances, but it, it's not just that. To be honest, we've got at the minute now we've probably got a good core fan base of probably about three hundred fans. Obviously, we can only have three hundred in the ground at the minute with with COVID and whatnot. But if if we weren't allowed if covid wasn't here i mean last year we had an uh, an average attendance of about 372 i think it was so we've got a, we've got a very strong core of fans and we did have that within north Ferriby united as well which was nice but yeah the uh, the village are very supportive and they're very happy for us to be there
4: so now with the phoenix club what's different have you put plans in place to ensure that uh, what happened doesn't happen again
7: I think yes, to, to put a simple answer, but Les is, now Les has come back, Les is a lot more chairman savvy. I mean, he, he's done this fair, getting on for 25, 30 years. He knows exactly what he's doing. Unless Les leaves, I'll be very doubtful that it, uh, it'd happen again. Plans are in place and we're we're definitely on the way up. What's changed? I think everything's changed really. The The aura around the club at the minute is just something that's unbelievable and that transcends from the fans on the outside to the players on the inside. The the players, even the ones we've brought in, it's such a tight-knit squad. Everybody likes each other. Everybody gets on well with each other. And we're one of those sides where it's such a community club. I mean, we're, we're a non-profit organisation. We, uh, we don't We take any profit from anything. But I think the best part about it is there's such a buzz around the village, around the fans, and around the players. I mean, we've we've got players that have been turning down offers from three, four leagues higher to stay with us. That's how that's how tight knit of a community it is, and uh, it's uh, it's really, really. Pr- uh, I'm really, really proud to be a part of it, and we're uh, we're only going to go up. Let's put it that way.
4: Yeah, and I suppose Les probably uh, we have a trust issue if he looks to. Pass on the uh, the club again in the future. He'll probably think to us about
7: it. Yeah, I uh, I can't see that happening until until the day dies. But yeah, Les is Les, both Les and Jill, Jill, Les's wife, they're both amazing. They care about the club so much. There there aren't two bigger supporters of football in North Derby than they are. And obviously, it's it sounds quite corny to say, but without them, we wouldn't be sat here having this conversation right now. So it's uh, it's all down to les and it's all down to the volunteers that give their time to go and help for the club i mean we've got we've got a core of about 10 20 volunteers that keep the club going uh, obviously the from the groundsman to to myself doing all the social media and everybody like that we've got volunteer we've got voluntary people all over the place uh, and i think that's what's that's what makes the club so special that's what Makes it kind of different to what North Ferriby United was. There's a lot more of a club football club feel to it. There's more of a family feel to it. Let's put it that way.
4: Well, I think the further down the football pyramid you go, the more that rings true. I mean, I I work with uh, with Horsham Football Club, which is step three, um, and we still have that community feel. Obviously, so many volunteers just trying to help out the the club wherever they possibly can. Always yeah, yeah. In your hand. And I think the further up the pyramid you go, the um, the less of that you see so it's good to see that continue i saw the crowdfunding page for, for i think about forty two thousand pounds worth of renovations you mentioned that the ground was in a state of disrepair when you were going down before north ferro FC was was created is that all sorted now is the ground renovations all done the
7: ground is probably better than it, than it has ever been and probably will ever be the amount of work that to start les has put in i mean les is He's not going to like me for saying this, but he's getting on and he's doing 15, 16-hour days down at the club. It's just ridiculous. But not just us going right down through all the volunteers, helping out with painting and stuff like that. And there's always going to be little jobs that need doing, but the money we raised through the crowd funders and stuff like that, that's all helped towards improving the ground. Obviously, we've had to implement loads of COVID regulations and safety measures so we've been working hard to get those right. Uh, we've just received a grant from um, from the Premier League for £2,000 uh, from the Match Day Support Fund, which helps us with making sure the ground is COVID compliant, which it is uh, already. Les has done a, a stellar job at making sure that the ground's ready uh, and, and, and is as safe as possible for everybody. Because obviously we're in one of those positions now where we're the lucky ones. We're the ones who are allowed fans in, Uh, Obviously, it's only 300, we could have more. But teams lower down in this league don't hit 300. So, for them, it's perfect. But for us, we would want more than that. I mean, game against Northwich, we could only have 300 fans in. i I can be pretty confident in telling you that there'd be 700 people there if if we could have done. So, it's hit us, but it's one of those things that we're just going to get on with. We focus our attentions on the pitch, and if the results carry on as the way they are, we should uh, we should be doing pretty well this year.
4: No, very good. And I think from a from a future perspective, what the club doing to potentially to come out of the pandemic stronger? I know obviously there's a there's a new shirt coming out. Do you want to speak a little bit about that?
7: Well, so our away shirt is um, has been extremely popular from the day we announced it. I don't think I've seen one negative. Comment about it. Our work with it has uh, has paid off. Obviously, Hope and Glory produced a shirt. It's uh, eco-friendly material. It's made from 16 plastic bottles. How you get plastic bottles into a into a football shirt is uh, is completely beyond me. But we're being recognised for our work. Obviously, um, Footage.com did their top non-league shirts, and we came out the best of those. Uh, and they've also just done their top 100 in the world, and we came 20th in that. So for Little North Therapy, in the Northern Counties East League Division 1, to be 20th in the world for football shirts, only to be beaten by three English clubs, one of those being Man City, is is pretty pretty extraordinary. And... Uh, the National Football Museum in Manchester have uh, uh, putting on a new exhibition of their top twenty-five shirts for this year, and we've we've been included in that as well. So our away shirt is going to be uh, on show at the National Football Museum, which again, for a club of our size, is just ridiculous. I mean, the um, the response we've had from it and the orders we've had from it are ridiculous. But I think what sets the shirt. A light more than anything is the price of it. So all of these, all of these shirts, like I've I've said them already, Man City shirt, you're paying sixty pounds for the football shirt, as is twenty seven pound fifty. Wow. It's just, it doesn't compare. And obviously, to have the twentieth best shirt in the world according to them, and our orders have uh, have gone up massively. And yeah, I'll uh, I'll give big wraps to Jill, the chairman's wife, for choosing it.
4: No, that's uh, that's absolutely incredible. Twenty seven pound fifty for a football club shirt. These unheard of. Maybe, maybe that'll teach you to put your prices up next year to uh, to make sure you bring in a little bit more money. As not us mate,
7: we'll be there and we'll uh, we'll stick with that. I think.
4: No, well, I'd, I'd like to thank you very much for coming on today. It's been uh, it's been a pleasure talking to you.
7: Thank you very much. I uh, I really appreciate it. The club really appreciates it. So yeah, cheers.
4: The Premier Non-League Podcast.
3: Johnny, uh, thank you very much for that fantastic uh, interview there about North Ferriby. Obviously, Chris said he had experience in North Ferriby United before. Hopes for the future? Could you think? Hope you'd be playing them again one year? Hopefully, in the you know National North, if not the National League. Hopefully, but
2: you know my worry is that um, you, they must learn from any mistakes before. Um, if you if you suddenly if you start relying on big investment. Um, you're going to come across cropper again. So hopefully they'll have learned from those mistakes and make sure that the, the club remains uh, hopefully a f- a f- a focused on its, on its fans to, to kind of look after it and, uh, and remain patrons of a, of a good club. Got, you know, they've proved it can be a good club before, it can be a good club again, but it's, they have to look after themselves.
3: 100%. Um, I will catch up with them later on in the season throughout uh, if we get a season ending, if we we get it, it'll probably be uh, February 2022 or something by the time the season ends, the way it's going in this country. However, talking about you know what's going on in this country right now, um, this week uh, it was announced by, let's just say a uh, certain... Uh, Sports television channels that they are going to be introducing a pay-per-view for professional league and elite sports of a 1495 charge to watch your team every game, no matter the three o'clock, whatever. Now, Worthing tweeted this weekend, um, 1495 can get you into the ground and can get you a pint. You can be sitting there watching football. It might not be the same superstars and a quality standard up there, but you're going to have a non-league. And this is what we're all about here. Um, one of us on this line right now, I've been winding him up all day and telling him to bottle it and I'm coiling his string right now. I'm going to pass over to Ian because I know obviously Ian being mainly a Brighton Hove supporter. Um, so outside that top six of those elite, like big, big clubs in the Premier League, which more to talk about, about that in the, in, in coming up. But Ian, over to you, mate. Like, you know, I know you've been talking on our WhatsApp group about this quite a lot this week.
6: Yeah, I mean, as, as I needed to the start, like genuinely like feeling pretty disenfranchised with elite football as a result of some of the announcements this week. You know, that 14 95 is effectively a tax on supporters of smaller teams. So a team like you know, Brighton and Brighton and Hove, for me, in the first three weeks of that pay-per-view, is going to cost me an additional £30 tax on top of the Sky and BT subscriptions. This is the point for me where, as I as, um, alluded to again earlier, it's that tipping point about what we want football to be and how we're going to take control and ownership of. And I think it's an ample opportunity for non-league teams to really promote and push themselves and say, well actually you as supporters are being unfairly treated, you can get a, a similar if not you know, if not the same quality product, but you're going to feel closer and more connected to those, to those players and to the club and to your community. You know, I'm an I'm an advocate of I'm a, I'm a very big pro advocate of opening up the 3 p.m. kickoffs to broadcasters because again I think that the the 1230 and the 530 and the, the Sunday fixtures again favor top six bias. And I think that in terms for of for teams, big and small, to enhance and grow their fan bases, people across the country need to have access to watch those teams. Which is why kind of Part of what I think, on top, again, this is something that maybe some non-league clubs have explored, is that the technology is there whereby non-league teams could, in theory, especially with lockdown happening as it is with the restricted-in fan bases and stuff, have some kind of live, live streaming system in play where fans who can't make it to the game can watch the game. Southampton, Southampton ladies are about to start streaming on YouTube. They have the infrastructure. The budget for that is incredibly small. The uptake, I think, for non-league teams could be big if it's promoted right. And we're not talking just like, you know, like a tweet out, because let's be honest here, the, the reach of those tweets from those clubs are inherently small compared to the reach elsewhere. It needs to be a proper promotional push from the leagues and the clubs in order to gather interest and properly make a stand against sort of elite football.
3: But that's the thing, like Chris, you you can probably, you're the best person here to speak to because South Shields have been doing a streaming service on, correct?
2: Yes, we started pre-season um, and we've gradually been improving it and improving it and the feedback we get is pretty good. Yeah, there was teething problems. It's all dependent on internet um, signals and power supplies and things. Uh, but just touching on what was said there, um, one of our pre-season games, It was a Friday night, and we had um, over a 1,000 people watching the stream. Mm -hmm. Now, during the season, um, numbers are nowhere near that because obviously people have been in the ground. Um, I do think some people are kind of switched off from football because of what's going on in the world. Um, Football isn't as important as life, as some people might, you know, some people say, but in, in general, the numbers are really good. We think we provide a very good product um, and it gives people the opportunity to watch a game that they ordinarily wouldn't have seen because of the restrictions on attendances. Whether that's continued once restrictions are lifted, who knows? Um, but certainly this is an opportunity. I'm, 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 I'm fully of the opinion that this is an opportunity like no other for non-league football to really get a grasp of... of of things and, and and build something here. I think the groundswell of opinion throughout the country is that grassroots football, non-league football is getting a bloody raw deal, um, to, mm-hmm. to put it mildly. And the greed of the of the top levels is becoming more and more apparent. Um, it's gonna switch people off that I've I've no doubt about it. And mm-hmm. and I think it, it, it's oh, only t- clubs really have an opportunity streaming like you just said there you know the actual costs involved are not massive um south shields have invested some money but n- not massive massive amounts. southampton ladies you know going to do it on youtube um it's not a massive outlay and it might just get people interested if they if say for instance on a saturday afternoon they ordinarily would be going to watch say for instance brighton & hove um, Brighton and Hove are playing until Sunday, um, and there's a game that they can watch on the TV for 3 or 4 or £5, pounds, uh, and, it, and it's a good, which as we know, as non-league fans, we know how good a product can be provided by the players, it's good football, um, it's an opportunity to really um, expand the non-league game, I've I no doubt about it.
0: I think the, the only issue I've got with it, the streaming, fantastic at the moment, obviously, because people can't get into grounds. People are not happy, Not sorry, maybe happy is not quite the right word, don't feel they're safe in going to games. Mm. When we get back into stadiums, we don't want those people watching a stream on the TV spending a fiver. We want those people going into the ground, spending a tenner to get in, spending another few quid on food and another few quid on a pint after the game. If we're only looking short term at just getting involved in the in watching a stream at the moment, they'll keep doing that, even when people are allowed back into games. So I think the emphasis has got to be getting people into the stadiums, not watching a stream at the moment, because they will carry on doing that.
6: Yeah, I think. Uh, I, sorry, I think an interest- sorry. Go on, Ian. go on. Um, I, sorry, interesting side note to this. You, you mentioned about fans streaming versus not coming into the games. Now, I realise that it's a, a some stream example of a successful non-league club. But you look at hashtag United as an example, which is obviously polarising the non-league sphere. Their FA Cup game had 25,000 people watching the live stream on BBC and they had fans in the stadium. The point being is it's not about one or the other is about finding ways to engage fans with broader appeal. So there you're still capturing the people that want to come because you're putting out and generating genuinely, genuinely interesting content that kind of extends beyond football, but it's obviously football centric, uh, be that community focused or, or however you want to do it. So you get, you get kind of a balance of both. And because the club has to grow, you can't just sit as a, you, you have to obviously be bedded in your community, but at the same time, you have to look beyond that and think about, you know, much like the the larger clubs, think about your revenue streams and ways to grow and expand and keep people excited and interested in your club. Yeah, that's absolutely right. M- my feeling on this is that from a South Shields
2: perspective, once restrictions are lifted and the there are no restrictions on attendance, and South Shields can start getting back to up towards 2,000 people in the ground again, then the streaming will stop. Um, this is purely why people can't get in. Mm. Um, the, the, I think the opportunity is to prove how good the football is by making it available to people, for, to to the ordinary, you know, Joe public, to to, to watch at home or, or wherever. Um, see how good the product is and think. Yeah, I think I'll go to that when it's open again. I think I'll have a, you know, for me, non league football got me interested in football again. I'm a Sunderland supporter by by history. Um, And I was switched off from football completely. I walked away from the game. I'd had enough. And South Shields got me interested again. And it's through that, that you talk about the community aspect of it. We want people to come into the ground, pay 10 quid to get in. We want them to buy a programme. We want them to buy a pie and a pint. Uh, And, 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 the way to do that at the moment, because there's only one way to do it, because we can't allow too many fans in, is to is, the streaming is the way. And if people are aware of this and they know they're only going to pay, they're going to pay no more than five pounds or whatever. I'm sure there'll, there'll be more uptake than that on the fifth than the fifteen pounds to watch a Premier League product, which, quite frankly, at the moment, the standard
3: isn't great. Uh, that last weekend of results can just uh verify that completely if those big teams losing. Yeah.
0: Question for both of you, Ian and Ian and Chris. We've got the people watching the stream, which is great. We're now allowed, no restrictions, people back into the stadium. For each of you, how would you get that person from the armchair through the turnstile? What are you going to do to offer them that product that they've obviously been seeing there, but you want them in there to spend more than mm-hmm. just that fiver they had streaming? How are you going to do it?
2: I I'll go first with this. Um I would imagine that it wouldn't be a case of an overnight decision where suddenly fans are allowed in. Yeah. Um you would normally mm-hmm. I, after all of this is over whenever that might be um I guess um it would be a case of well in a couple of weeks time, you know, the restrictions are going to be lifted. Um the streaming service is going to come to an end. Please um if you've enjoyed what you've seen on these live streams come and come and experience it firsthand in person. We're sure you'll have a great day. You'll be more, be made to feel more than welcome and become part of the community. That's all you can do as far as I'm concerned because you can't... Because this, the streaming itself, once you've got fans back in who want to come into the ground, it's pointless streaming to 40 people. Mm-hmm. It's not cost-effective.
6: Yeah, I mean, I would extend on that slightly. I think the probably let's say that the the primary focus of the streaming is say either the hardcore and then by turn sort of children or young adults and those are the people that you want to capture from like a branded perspective that is I suppose in some way finding a way to connect with them be that player interaction or whatever but I think by extension you either have sort of a reduced price for a certain age bracket or some kind of discount or hashtag in some way that gets them to feel included and engaged with the club from from a distance and then when they come into the club there's something to relate you know they're walking around and they see someone of a power wage group and maybe they've interacted with them on social media with regards to the game because obviously on the live stream and sort of youtube and stuff you do have the comment section so there is that kind of there is a potential there say to develop a community aspect and those people could eventually sort of you know meet in person i think yeah. we've all just
3: seen that yeah Go for you it, Chris.
6: We before we finish this bit um south shields are
2: already very much ahead of the game when it comes to community stuff we've been going into schools for two years players and coaches have been going into schools for two years and when they've been making those visits to school the year group gets free tickets for the following saturday's home game brilliant um the, we bring the kids in into the ground that way. The parents get a free ticket as well, and then of course each age group footballer. So it, South Shields Football Club has its own age group teams from under six or seven, and a lot of those kids automatically get a, a season ticket. So um, it's. I'm sure that it'll. I'm, I'm sure that the, when, when this is over, not, non-league will see an influx in new fans. I'm, I'm convinced of it.
3: Well, that, I mean, that's that's amazing. That's what a lot of professional clubs do. So you're you're sowing those seeds, of the foundations for the future yeah. of South Shields. And you know, obviously, the club want to go places. I mean, we've talked, Pete and I, obviously doing the Rebel Yell stuff. We've talked about we haven't talked about doing a stream, but we've sort of said, would it be worth it? Because you know, when we do the commentary, obviously we have. Wouldn't you agree, Pete? We have more people listening if we're away from home than we would at home because of the fan base, but for certain clubs I don't think the streaming would work just as of yet but obviously for you guys at South Shields it's got that you've got such a big fan base um P what what do you think like do you think it would work on a club like worthy even Ian at Horsham I don't think we're at the levels where a streaming service even at a low cost I mean we do the the Rebel Yell we use Mixler which is the service yeah. to do it and we do the monthly podcast that you do on the Mariners and that brings listeners in but right now I think that's that's the engagement level that Works for Worthing, and I guess it depends on certain clubs. Um, Pete, would you say?
5: Yeah, I I, I think it would, would work at the moment, but like you say, I'd rather as soon as we get back to normal, I think you've got you've got to get the body, you've got to get the bodies in the ground. You you know, um, as Chris said, you know, uh, as soon as it is back to normal, you can get people. Then the streaming the streaming service will probably stop, and, and I think that's that's the best the best way. To, Best way to go with it at a level, just to make sure we've got the bodies in the ground. Spending a few pennies, as Trevor said.
6: Sorry, side note to that: that say Horsham do stick up highlights on their YouTube channel. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, they definitely are recording the games. Yeah, but it's the availability of that. So I believe it was the Enfield game was the last game that was up uh, for for Horsham, but that that was that was on Tuesday. So the disconnect here, so as say for someone at the moment where I'm working on a Saturday, so I can't make it to any games and I'm also working on the Tuesday, so I can't make the Tuesday night games. So I've only got the, the only reference I currently have and it's going to be for many other fans in a similar position where you know the score, but you have no idea what's actually happened yeah. and then the delay in the highlights packages, you know, that there is that lag and further disconnect as a result yeah. of that.
3: I think your instant replay to do the highlights of doing for Worthing, doing for Horsham in the sort of southern area. I think they are getting better. And, you know, I know for Worthing, we often get them on the evening of the match, depending on how quick they can get them out. Um, but just on that note, Ian, I'd just like to say that Worthing strolled into uh, Horsham's ground the other day, borrowed it, and we broke your attendance. So, you know, it just shows about the quality of the clubs up the A24. So, <laughs> on that bombshell, we're going to leave it at that. And we're going to say. We got a massive, you know, we had Ashley Williams for the first episode, which was great to have Wales as captain represented at Euro 2016. Now we've got Leroy Lita. He's kind of done the other way. He's got, he started professionally and gone to non-league. So we're going to play part one of the interview now. We hope you enjoy. And um, we'll, ch- we'll, we'll chat again, guys, about, you know, what's going on in the world after this. So stay tuned.
4: Are you PNLP?
3: Right, we are really privileged to be joined now by Leroy Leiter, footballing legend, Leroy, who's now applying his trade in non-league. How are you doing, mate? It's good to have you on the Premier Non-League Podcast.
1: Thank you very much. Yeah, I'm doing good. Thank you. Thank you very much.
3: I'm so, all right. So how's the, Um, I mean, I guess the first obvious question is, how's the whole COVID situation been for you since seasons were all curtailed at the sort of April time this year? What, what, what's it been like for you? Um,
1: I've got to be honest, I, I, it's been good for us because we had a little girl during the during this whole time so during this period and it um, wasn't great going with, at the hospital and because uh, I wasn't allowed in oh. even the like, appointments and stuff like that but we've got you know got, got to learn our babies I so, guess
3: congratulations her so massive is it your first born Oh, how's it how's it hospital, been yeah. then? has it been uh, has she been good yeah she's
1: brilliant she's brilliant you know she's uh, yeah no complaints at all I listened to some of my other friends and they're going through they're having nightmare, sounds of it. But yeah. I'm, you wait till the she's sleep starts kicking. I don't sleep long anyway, so <laughs> that's just, that's fine right stay up, I'll stay up with her. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good.
3: No, uh, it's um, it's, it's I guess it's been that that's a, one of the positives for you because I guess it's it's giving you more time to sort of watch her grow from when she's been born and you know play it like that and I guess football hasn't got in the way right until now really I mean what what were the club doing throughout the summer to sort of keep you occupied with their regular Zoom meetings with their training sessions being sent to you?
1: Um, well, I, I've been to, I've been talking to the the manager since January because we've been planning to move up here and um, yeah we. we we had a meeting and a chat and, um, you know, it's down the road for me, so it's, it's, it's all good. Um, we went back in during, I think, when when we was allowed the first couple of weeks of July or something like that, so it's been a long pre-season, <laughs> um, but... We 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 got games on now, so you know it's nice to just be able to mm. go and play some football.
3: And I guess we're at a privilege because obviously, as as we know, and the podcast that we're doing is, we're doing on this about letting fans in again. We're yeah. lucky at our level that we can get some of those fans in, but it's affecting the great game. You know, you've obviously played professional up to the highest level of the Premier League, which at the moment they can't get fans in which is so frustrating when you see lots of things on the news what are your views on the sort of let fans in campaign right now
1: yeah well the whole thing's crazy because we we i think our ground holds four thousand something like that and we're like fans in but sixty thousand seat stadiums or not makes no sense to me but i'm not in charge so (laughs) we just just gotta go with it and um you know hopefully we don't know how long it's gonna go on for but hopefully not much longer (laughs) man
3: I think because it's football a needs impression.
1: football needs the fans uh, even watching it you know, on TV it's not the same you need fans there that's what that's what football is all about hearing that the noise of the fans and you know, it gets your team going
3: a lot of the games and as I'm sure you could say from playing in those big stadiums you know that you need that edge that of the home support or your away fans you hear them to try and push the team on to that little bit of extra to maybe score the winning goal or get back into the game
1: yeah definitely um, we're all, we're all massive football fans and we know how important the fans are. And as a player, I know growing up as a kid, my dream was to play in front of thousands of people and hear that cheer when you score a goal or win the game, And you know. So it's a very important part of the game. And yeah, we're missing this pandemic going on and this that they solve, some, solve it soon and we're not in control over all that, so we just got to go what...
0: So you've gone the opposite way round from football league to non-league, where quite a few have obviously started in non-league and gone you know, up the ladder. You've gone the opposite way round, which is, is nice to have that contrast to two weeks ago. We had Ashley Williams, a Wales captain, obviously started um, out yeah, of Town. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and went the opposite way. How do you sort of find it, having played the pro game and now come down, say, the other side of the slope?
1: How do you sort of see the difference between the two? Oh, it's a different world. So, um, you know, you train twice and play sometimes twice a week. Um, but as I said, I, I'm still fit and I feel good. And um, I love football. So I, my whole reason, just want to play football and then keep fit, look after myself and enjoy it. So try and get, try and help the, t- the, the team as well. So, the, so I, I just want to, you know, I'll play as long as I can. So obviously I'm not a professional anymore, but I can still do a little bit. So I just want to play. Okay. And how old were you when you moved
0: to the UK and what got you interested in what in wanting to play football? Was it watching it on the TV?
1: Um, I was five years old when I moved over Democratic Republic of Congo now. So um yeah. yeah, I was five years old, but I did start playing football until I was about ten and what I got what got me into it, I saw Ian Wright play and I just um, I think it was against I met Sheffield Wednesday and he scored a hat-trick or four goals or something like that. And it's just the enjoyment from him, just watching him, how much he enjoyed it. So I just went to, to um, copy him and be like that. So that's how it started for me. Ian Wright got me into football. I just joy watching him play. It made me want to do it.
0: So you, you started off at Chelsea. How did you come to end up there? Were you scouted from playing youth football or spotted somewhere along the way by a scout?
1: Yeah, I was playing for my local side. Um where I lived in Margate when I was around uh, I think twelve years old, something okay. like that. And um I played we won I was playing for Margate and um we won six 0 and I scored three and set up three. Mm. And the Chelsea scout after pulled me after the game and said, We wanna um give you a trial. So I went down there and that's how it all started.
0: You had a couple of years there and obviously they released you. Did you consider then maybe that non-league you might have to drop into? Were you quite confident you were going to get into the pro game?
1: When I got released at 16, obviously I had to pick myself up. It was heartbreaking at the time. I thought my whole world was over. Um, but I had a couple of months out of the game and um, worked in a petrol station. Oh, really? and, I, um, and I thought to myself, the same for me, I need to get back in the game. So it's when the internet um, started really. Yeah. Um, so I went online and got all the academy numbers and um, okay. rang up. Red, rang up Reading, um, Bristol Rovers, uh, and a few other clubs, and they told me they already um had their youth teams set up for that year. And I rang Bristol City. They told me to come down the next day. Uh, I, I went down there, um, trained with them, played for Bristol Rovers in the evening. Um, one one nil scored, They told me to come back and then um. I played the next day for in the fr- in a friendly preseason game for the Bristol City and then um, they played I came on a half time as nil 0 and I, we won five nil, I scored all five. And um <laughs> the, the chairman was watching, the managers watching. So, you know, I got a little break and they 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 said they wanted me and then you know, the rest is history.
3: Must have been quite tough for you, like in that, that break of the time when you were working at a petrol station and you see like the newspapers with the sports headlines. Obviously, you seen that you put people on the way. It, I mean, how how was it? Were you just chomping at the bit to try and get out? Is that why you're like, I'm going to gonna get every night? No, I just
1: had to pick myself up and you know, yeah, I just I thought to myself, let me ring myself because it, I didn't have an agent or anything like that, yeah, to help me along. So, I just you know, the common sense thing to do was go on in and then get the number and call them yourself. and... You know, it happened, so. and it worked. It worked out for me, and uh, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of lads that do that now, and people are probably sick of phone calls now, <laughs> but um, yeah, it worked for me, and um, I don't regret it one bit.
0: And down at Bristol City, obviously, that launched your career playing under Danny Wilson and and Brian Tinian. Obviously, Brian Tinian quite a legend in being you know in Bristol City eyes. People remember that goal, that curled goal at Anfield for mm, many yeah. years to come. Those Robins fans, 29 goals in a season. And England under 21 cap as well, and I think AD Boothroyd was your under 21
1: manager at the time, is that right? No, Peter no. Taylor. Pe- oh Peter Taylor, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Peter Taylor was um my first coach, then I had um Stuart
0: Pierce. Um yeah, obviously playing under under Peter Taylor, obviously Peter went on to give David Beckham his first role as captain as well. Um I actually saw Peter when he was playing for still playing actually for um Dartford um well, as player, player manager then um 39 i think he was still still managing to get down the wing um it, he, he's had a lot of experience in the game top level right the way down to non-league what sort of things did you learn from him picking up playing under him for england
1: i was only in, in his squad once so what that was probably about two trading sessions but he was a you know good guy and then welcomed me and um you know, gave him my debut. So I didn't really get to know him. Okay. But I know a bit about him because he, when I played for Margaret, he was he's around Gillingham, yeah. the coaching staff, and yeah. he's he, he's well-known there, and he's a big part of that was a big part of that club. So, yeah, he's got plenty of experience. He knows his staff, and, um, you know, I didn't get to know him too well. I, I think I spent three days. I was a late call-up. I was a replacement for Darren Bent, who pulled yeah. out the squad. Um, I was playing League One at the time, so I was, a bit, I was a bit nervous going into the squad because every single player there at the time was a Premier League player. And um, I was still playing League One. And um, yeah, but once I trained and, you know, I felt good and um, didn't, didn't look out of place one bit. Carl, Carl told me uh, that. Though. <laughs> <laughs> the million pound player
0: you became as you moved on to Reading, you had a great start there. Three and three, hat trick against West Brom in the FA Cup. And I actually remember the second goal you scored, the Dipper. I think that was when it really announced that Leroy Lita was on the scene then as well.
1: I, I wasn't aware of that. I was, I was <laughs> on the scene in my head. So, <laughs> 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 now um, yeah, it was a good, it was a good move for me. Reading was one of the clubs I rang up to for a trial, and um, three years later they ended up paying a million pound for me. So it was crazy. Um, you know, down the M four. Yeah, enjoy my enjoy playing there.
3: Did you ever say I told you so? <laughs> no,
1: I don't do that. You, you, just do, you just do it on the pitch. You don't yeah. I, I should. I, didn't, I never actually mentioned that. I should have told someone there that whoever was a part of the recruitment staff that I actually rang up three years before. <laughs> yeah. So but it probably would have got someone to sack. So it's best to be quiet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, keep
3: them quiet. Just yeah. do the, let, the, let the football do the talk. On the yeah, pitch but
1: today. the chair, Um, stay on hostile. And um, he will literally walk past <laughs> me. He didn't, he didn't even know what Brilliant. I looked like. He was, he, was, he was with Silla um, Black and my um my agent had to go to him and say, um, um, Mr. Majeski, this is Leroy, by the way. He's like, oh, okay. I was like, this man just spent a million pounds of his own money on me and he don't even know what I look like. The Premier Non-League
4: Podcast.
3: Part one of our interview there with Leroy Lita, part two coming up very shortly. What brought myself... Pete and Trevor together, it sounds romantic really, doesn't it? Was a podcast we did for our own Rebel Yell service called Let Fans In. It was a special. We'd had a couple of months off due to the lack of football and it kind of gained a bit of traction. I know Trevor was key in you know, promoting the Let Fans In initiative and it worked. It, I mean, I'm not, I don't think it was necessarily us, but the pressure given by de- various platforms really helped the government see the Let Fans In campaign. But now I've started seeing a lot more professional, you know, elite clubs saying it. And, you know, for, for the non-league side of things, uh, national and national North and South are now classed as elite so they can finish their seasons. Has that kind of bit them, in, it's bit them in the bum, really, to be fair, because they want to start again. And a lot of those clubs need to have fans in. Do you think they will go back from being elite now? Or do you think that's the sort of bridge across... Bridges I can't
0: see reason why they can't go back to being non-elite. Not they got that elite tag very quickly, just like that. Why can't they take it away again? I watched Dagenham and Willston on Saturday evening in the National League. Obviously, being a Barnet fan myself, it's of interest. You know, it's a very decent game, but you look around the stadium, there was plenty of room. You know, Dagenham are not going to fill 5,000 each week. Their average is around about one and a half, two at best, if someone brings a large travelling support. You can easily, easily get people in there socially distant. And to be honest, the game felt like nothing, little bit more than a, you know, than a training match because the players, you know, one goal in it, players have got themselves to celebrate with, you know, that's it. Um, It sounded very, I wouldn't quite say morbid, but, you know, you could have dropped a pin on the terrace and you would have heard it hit the concrete. Uh, there's, There's just no reason why there can't be minimum of a thousand people in there and it gives you something you can build upon as they started with the pilot games.
2: I, I, I've said that they won't go back to being non-elite. They won't uh, go back to being non-elite because I think they've made their bed and they're going to have to lie in it. Um, I think the National League have a very elitist kind of outlook on things and they want to be elite. And I think that now they are elite, they're going to remain elite. I'll be, I'll be flabbergasted if they go back to non-elite. Mm. Particularly the north and south divisions, they'll, they'll want to go back to non-elite, but I can't see it happening.
5: Yeah, well, I think I think the thing the thing is with the um the national league is there are a lot of full time clubs in it, so that's mm. that's probably why they you know they've they want that tag of being elite, mm. um, but they've they've the um the north and the south into it, Um they've got a minimal amount of full time teams,
3: but. Yeah, I can't, I can't, I can't see changing. They want their status. I think you're right there, Chris. You know, I think it, it kind of makes me think as well. I've said it to you, Trev, before. Personally, you know, th- because they've said they they want to be elite now, they can't keep flicking a switch when it suits them. No, you know that that's what my view is. I mean, it kind of it, it in some ways. I don't know. South Shields might say different because obviously I know Worthing and South Shields were part of that sort of initial letter written to the government. But I think for Worthing, especially if we had been promoted. And now we've been classed as this elite thing. I think it could have really been a problem for the club because we have we got quite a limited budget as it is. But to have no fans coming in because we are, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll put it out there and I don't think anyone can really argue it. We are probably the best supported club in that Ismian division. Um, without a doubt. And the fans, you know, Bogner games, we're getting nearly 2,000 in. I mean, that's a hell of a lot for the area. Yeah, an average, as Pete said earlier in the podcast, it's about 890 or something that you say, Pete, I think it was, you know, over the season. But, you know, that's still a lot for this area, but bearing in mind we're surrounded by bigger clubs like Portsmouth and uh, Brighton. So, <laughs> so to me i'm i 'm almost it's horrible because the way the last season ended was horrible, and you know everything that going on was just it's just an awful time but you know i'm I am quite glad that you know maybe we did stay down because of that reason of it now being elite i don't know what your thoughts are
2: that was something that a lot of South shields fans said on our local um Facebook pages and twitter feeds um it's a bit of a blessing in disguise in some respects because um there would be no fans in. Having said that, now that the government have, or the football authorities have brought financial backing in for them, I think, on the whole, I think the consensus would be that it did hurt not being promoted, and it always will. But um, it's not too bad at the moment. You know, Fans can get in at some point, and At the end of the day, that's what it's about. Football is nothing without fans.
5: Yeah, and I, I think, to be honest, um, Oliver Dowden was interviewed this morning and he didn't really mention anything about the football, to be honest. And Trevor's got his opinion of him, I know, I know that. But all, all my fear is, now they've got the financial package, is that says to me, and the governments haven't come out and been honest and open about it, they've given this financial package and that says to me there's going to be no fans and grounds for the, for the foreseeable future. It's, well, like until- a se- it's like a yeah. secret coded message, that is, in my opinion. Correct. Why?
3: Why? Why? Like the thing is, is it really? I'm gonna get on a bloody pedestal here and start ranting because the thing is, is like I see it, and you know, I'm I've loved being able to go back to games. You know, we, you know, I've been to a couple of Worming games this season, and you know, it's been brilliant to be back. You know, we had the magic of the FA Cup for East Grinstead who knocked us out on penalties and you know we deserve to go out there but you know it was a great scene you know I was actually almost quite happy for East Grinstead in a weird way because they deserved it they came back and they deserved it and they played better than us probably like you said against Radcliffe you know they were celebrating as if they won the cup final and they were East Grinstead were jumping up and down because Werving are the team in the league above that they've just got a scalp against yes we've started off the season and we're top of the league but I see this picture, Ollie Bayliss, who's hopefully going to come on our next podcast, who, as we know, is, um, you know, non-league sort of expert. Um, and he tweeted about the, you know, Oliver Dowden and everything like that. And then someone tweeted a picture and I haven't verified it yet. And we've spoken throughout the day. It, it could be fake news, but it was in, it, it's not fake news. It is actually true then. So they had face masks on in the London Palladium people in a, in. I've been to Palladium when I was a lot younger and it's a very small, you know, it's not small, but you know, it's a London theatre, and they're allowed to go in there. It was packed. There were loads of people in there. But Oliver Ollie the Dowden was there. <laughs> yeah, well, well, there you go. up. So why is it some sort of weird, you know, underhand tactic that they don't want football back? Because how can you have people in there? For example, Old Trafford. What's Old Trafford's? 80,000 seats or something like that. St. James's mm-hmm. Park, 70,000, something like that. You know, there's, there's a huge amount of seats. They could easily turn around and, you know, have a third of that. Even 10,000 fans could easily be spaced out.
2: There's there's a problem there, though. How do you choose 10,000 people when you've got Manchester United will have 50,000 season ticket holders, Newcastle United will have 40,000 season tickets? How do you choose? Um, The thing about, I'll go back to what we said much earlier, is that um, the football supporters are being kind of shown to be potential troublemakers of, because of what happened in the 70s and 80s. Genuine football supporter now is, a, is a football is going to watch a game of football and will behave themselves. But it's that perception of government who probably a lot of them aren't interested in football, have no interest, have no knowledge of the game, and just remember what they saw on sports night and you know, on match of the day on a Saturday and on a Wednesday night with people ripping up seats. I think
5: one one of the fears that the government has probably got is if you do say right, you know, a place like Old Trafford, you know, you safely social distance ten thousand people, is they're probably thinking they've got to and bear in mind Manchester's under some lockdown restrictions. Is, is they're probably thinking that these people have got to go to the ground, and they could and a lot of them will descend into the local pubs, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, and then getting them into the ground you know there might be queues things like that so you know there's a there's a lot of different bases they may be looking at but i do you know i'm i'm i'm, I'm with i'm totally behind this let the fans in campaign because i think it can be done safely um and it, it might take you know a bit of common sense from the fans to Go to the, go to the games earlier, getting allotted time when yeah. they're told you you come you come at this time you come at this time you can to stop any bottlenecks things like that. Um, and I'm sure the fans who would get picked, as, as Chris said, um, it's it's going to be difficult to pick the fans that will go, but I'm sure the ones who are privileged enough to go to that game they would stick to what they have been told, even if they have to get down
2: an hour and a half earlier or something like that. Yeah. So that touches upon what South Shields have to do at the moment, so we're restricted to 300 people you've got to give 45 tickets to the opposition, that gives 255 when we have 500 season ticket holders, so we have two bubbles so um, my, the bubble I'm in um, couldn't go to the Radcliffe game but we will be able to go on Saturday um, fortunately, I'm the lucky one, I go to everyone because I'm commentating, but my family, for instance, because it was letters A to L could go last Tuesday and it's letters M to Z that are going to go on Saturday. That's how South Shields are doing
3: it. I think that's really so, clever, though. That is really clever because you've got that amount and you're, you're adapting to it and yeah. you know, showing so, it can work.
2: So what South Shields are also doing is that if you if your bubble isn't allowed to get into the ground, you are given a free stream. So you can watch the live stream of the right. game.
5: Such, sure. Right, so, so therefore, just on that basis of what South Shields are doing at the level yeah. you are at, yeah, then that says to me that that could that, that could be adapted, of mm. up, up the other levels
2: of the, of the leagues. Of course it can, of course it can, but, um, because of the, for instance, I guess Man United have got fifty thousand season ticket holders, maybe. So, are they going to give? Um, what, what would they rather do? Um, give people refunds or give them a free stream? What would, or are they going to pay $15.95 for the stream? It's a whole can of worms, this whole thing. But the model South Shields are using at the moment, I believe, is fair. It's the best they can do in the circumstances. And um, it, as you say, Pete, I think it can be modified to suit every level.
3: I think stands like that, you look at Old Trafford, you look at any ground that you support, you know, Trafford, Spurs and everything, each section of the ground is a stand. So you have to be in that stand by an allotted time. You're locked in then, basically you're in that bubble, that stand. If you're not there by that time, tough. You can't get in the ground. You can't leave, you can't get out, obviously for emergency, different. I think one of the problems is, and one of the things I know I talked about, I've seen maybe, you know, you can't believe what's in the press nowadays, is the fact they were maybe thinking about relaxing the rule of not being able to drink in the stands because as we all know we're i mean all well i know three of us especially but you know i'm sure same with you chris you like to have a beer with your mates on a match day you catch us a good time to catch up you know they do it in america in stadiums of nfl which have got hundred thousand people and they can do seat service there you just order a beer you have people come down with beers you pass them down the line it can be done trevor likes nfl like myself you see it on there all the time you've been to games you'll have someone 10 seats down they throw beer yeah they'll pass it down the line you pass it down contact us you can order on an app or something there could be some sort of some sort of seat service it can be done but it moves on to that sort of thing that we've got to start living with this because if they can't find a virus if they can't find a cure or a vaccine then what we're we going to do is it's going to be like it for the rest of our lives because i don't think it can go on like this
2: of course, if you look at it from uh, another another angle, that um, rugby union, for instance, at Twickenham, um, you know, people drink in the stands. Um, okay. Again, it's going back to this football perception of hooliganism. Mm. So,
5: yeah, no, totally agree with that. Basically, I, what I was going to say was, it, it was it was quite funny. We were we was away at Kingstonian, wasn't we? Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And yeah, um, yeah. because the new. Uh, sitting down and table service, oh, God's sake. we went, we went into the bar and obviously you couldn't, you couldn't, you couldn't actually stay in the bar. So you had to queue at the door and then walk into the bar and there was a table two meters from the bar. You had to sit down in the chair and then the barmaid would come over, take your order, go and get it, bring it back. And then you could stand up and walk out with the drink. Seriously, <laughs> it, 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 it was Hold it off was, by a it teacher. Was, it, it was it was quite funny, um, but, but they, they stuck to the rules. You yeah. know what I mean? you know these yeah. these things can be adapted. and be the, yeah. people do stick to the rules. As
2: simple as that. They do. Yeah. People do. It's, it's 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 genuine. People stick to the rules. South Shields. It's table service only during games. You know the bar staff will come to your table. If you if you're not sat at a table, you can't drink at the moment.
3: I still managed to knock a pint over for the second game of the row at King George's Field. Well, last time it was Pete's pint, this time it was my yeah, pint. Yeah, the first time it was
5: my pint, yeah. It was absolutely uh, yeah, I know, but then I, it's
3: like, oh, I have to go and queue for another one. And then I got told off by a director for standing his way, well, but that's another story. Hey-ho. <laughs> but uh, moving on from that chat, so we're going to part two of uh, Leroy Lee's interview now. Uh, finishing off his career and, you know, talking about what his future is in non-league. Yeah? It's going to be a good lesson, so enjoy.
4: Are <laughs> you PNLP?
3: You were at Reading, you signed, you know that, that lovely little story there about sitting back in the changing room. It was, it was what your career at Reading? 20 goals and 83 appearances. it said, you know, quite a good scoring record there. And then you came on loan to Charlton, and you scored three goals in eight games. And I remember watching you from the style. I used to play the drums at Charlton, so you, you might you might have heard me when I was up there. But how was your experience <laughs> at the Valley and going on loan to Norwich as well?
1: Yeah, I enjoyed it there. I enjoyed. It. I, enjoyed I enjoyed Charlton. The fans talked to me. The fans talked to me, so I enjoyed it. I wasn't playing at Reading at the time. And I just went to get out and get some football. I had Alabardu down there. It was yeah. really good to me. And um, you know, it, didn't, it took me about five games to score a first goal. But um, yeah, <laughs> I was I was trying to get my sharpness, and then you know, started scoring. And then the Redding called me back. <laughs>
3: Yeah, and then it's one of those things that, you know, it's quite hard for me to remember those years of Charlton because, as you know, as we say off air, like, you know, the years of Charlton from being up in the Premier League or even in the Championship and we've dropped down all the way and all the takeovers and everything. It's a it's a mess, which is why, you know, you must see it as well. Is that, the, you say you like the fans were good to you there, but you must see it at non-league level as well. I mean, with my local team here on the South Coast, Worthing, that I support, and that's what got me into this love of non-league.
1: Who's it that, seemed,
3: Worthing? Worthing, yeah. Yeah, Worthing. It's me and Premier I've, yeah,
1: they, yeah. They, wear, they wear
3: red. Yeah, yeah. You would have played for Margate when you're playing for Margate, yeah, yeah. you would have played against mm-hmm. Wortham in mean, the same. Thing. Yeah, we got yeah. actually got Margate this weekend if it doesn't get rained yeah. off. So, um, so what, what was You know, you've played for all these clubs, you know, brilliant clubs like right, with massive histories, you know, Middlesbrough, Swansea, and you know, Brighton, Sheffield Wednesday, and yeah, Birmingham. You've played for all these amazing clubs, but when you dropped down to non league for the first time, what was the first was it a culture shock? Was it a reality check, or how did you no, find I- it straight away? Oh, so you said you love the football, so that's the main reason why you're doing it.
1: Yeah, I started. Well, I started from a non-league team, so I, I knew. I went back to Margate. Was my first yeah. non-league team, and um, yeah, I, I know. I, I knew it wasn't a no culture shock to me. So I know the, when I went to Margate, I didn't like the group. Not, not personally, I just thought they didn't take it serious. They just messed about too much. It was just a little bit of cash, extra cash for them. So mm-hmm. I didn't really want to be around that. I want to be in a team where you got players that are going to compete, compete, and try yeah. and achieve something.
3: And what what would you say it was similar to when you obviously went abroad to Chania um, to play football? Um, what was the level like there compared to like non-league? Now would you say it's a similar level, or is it you know no, it's, no, know. So you... it's, a, lot,
1: it's a lot better level. Yeah. Um, but over in, in Greece is um, corrupt, is corrupted, and they they cheat, they throw games away and stuff like that. So I didn't enjoy that. I was there no. six months and. We played Olympiakos and I remember the president coming in the the changing room before the game, speaking in Greek obviously, but I had one of the lads next to me, uh, local boys who um, spoke good English, uh, told me what he's saying, he's telling the players not to get yellow cards, no tackles and kick the ball out for... A corner as much as you can for them, and um, I thought he's got his English twisted. But when we got on the pitch, he wasn't lying. <laughs> oh.
3: and, and I guess from being such like a esteemed professional like yourself, that must be so hard to see because you're playing this game for the innocent like love of the game, and you have got this here, you have got people trying to influence it. It must have been quite a tough situation. So then you went back to Yeovil. Was it nice being back in England for the time? Or because I saw you went to Thailand quite soon after that?
1: Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, it was difficult going on the pitch, preparing for the game and looking to give it 110%, then you've got three or four other teammates who've been told to do something different. and So it's hard because you can't get your, the games, you can't get into the game and because people are doing things, making mistakes and stuff like that on purpose. Yeah, So it's um, a bit heartbreaking to see that. But it was nice to come back to England and Jovo give me a call and then ask what I'm doing and you know, it was nice to go down there towards the end of the season and play some games back in uh, proper football
3: <laughs> I mean so how did the um, so you've gone to Yeovil and I take it it was only a short term contract to the end of that season yeah. um, how did the move to Thailand come about?
1: I went to China first and yeah. um, I landed in Beijing and we drove about four hours outside somewhere and <laughs> I was like this is not what they told me and I stayed <laughs> for a couple, couple of days and then I was like no I'm not going to sign and then uh, on the way, the day before I was leaving, I got a call from an agent in, in Thailand oh, sent me a message on social media and they said, I've got a team for you. And then I looked and the flight was five hours from China. So I went and I looked and liked what I saw and um, signed.
3: And what was it like out there? What What was the standard of football like? What was the sort of fans and, you know, the, 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 the whole league's like out there?
1: Fans are brilliant. Um, the players over there, but you only allowed five foreigners in each squad. Oh, okay. um, so only three non- Asia, non-Asia um, um, foreigners. So um, yeah, technically they're, they're they're right, and you know, but the, the football's quite young there, and the, the leagues not only been going on maybe twenty-five years over there. So they're learning, and but it was good experience, you play, so you see some amazing things, and it's, the fans are brilliant. They hmm. sing through the whole game. They don't know <laughs> what they they, they, they they did. It's just a day out for them, and they, they yeah. make it really enjoyable. So. Um, yeah, I enjoyed my experience there, and um, I went back to sign again. But when I got there, came back the second time, they um, I, I wasn't feeling it, so I flew home.
3: That's a shame because, yeah, I, I love I love that I've been to a few games around the world, different places, and you know, I, one thing I've always noticed in English football is. And you've seen it. I mean, I've seen it at the Charlton. You know, you start losing, the fans just go quiet. <laughs> you try it on. Yeah. But like you've been to these places where they'll literally keep on singing and singing well, and singing. No, and that must be our, amazing. Even
1: at full time, they're still singing. Yeah. Because so, over there, you have to uh, go and applaud the fans after as a team and yeah, the squad. Yeah. So, yeah, they, they stay they're there all day. It's like a big day out for them. So, yeah, it was really enjoyable.
3: So, I guess after your Thai experience I mean it must have been hard to come away from Thailand just for I've been I've been to the country itself it, it's an amazing country anyway it's like beautiful the people are lovely and everything like that so I guess you came back to the one coastal resort down to a rainy Margate in Kent again so you returned sort of almost full circle what you did when you first came to the UK all those years ago so what what was it like going back to Margate obviously you'd been right. started there
1: yeah I started I always said I would like yeah you no know, you know. Um. Nothing. I was still looking for Colorado. I didn't think I'd get. In. I had a few offers abroad and that, but I didn't want to mm-hmm. go abroad again. So I was just. And I thought, you know what? I'm still fit, so just play a bit of football. Went down there, as yeah. I said. I didn't really like what the the, the setup there, the, the squad they had, the mentality in the squad and that. So didn't last too long. I maybe got there at the wrong time, but yeah, it was, it was, I played a few games there and then you know left.
3: It must have been quite hard, though, because obviously you came over and played for our and that's what you almost like sold you as a footballer and you, know, you got your profession and you come back to find these players that aren't maybe pulling their weight. It must have been almost quite upsetting for you because you think, you know, you, you said you'd come back one time in the future and to have people not pulling their weight, even if it is non-league, it, it, you know, it, different people. I, I, can't I wouldn't, think say, I wouldn't say
1: pulling their weight. I think, yeah. well, I think the whole way the club was running oh, is that it, wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't prepare, It wasn't preparing for to push for anything. It's just, you yeah. know, to, to sustain, you know, stay in the league and you know be comfortable. But yeah, uh, it is some some places are like that. So you just, you know, you go and have a look and you move on. If it's yeah.
3: not- so I saw you went to Salisbury after that for a couple of games, and then to Chelmsford, uh, where you stayed uh, to the end of the twenty twenty season. Um, mm-hmm. For a bit. So, what what were they like? You know, you've seen to sort of all over the southeast. Different clubs, different setups with it, or a similar setups yes. with uh, ambition.
1: Well, Salisbury. What, one of my mates was assistant manager. He gave me a call and why well, he messaged you know my number to message me on mm-hmm. social media again. I said, "What are you doing? You fancy coming sign for us? We need a striker." And I was like, "Yeah, I'll come down." It's a long way. I didn't realize how far it was. Um, yeah, I stayed there for a bit, and then I just got a random call on a, um, on a Monday from yeah. a, Steve, Steve Clowage. Yeah, yeah. he was. He, I played three games. I think I scored two or something like yeah, that. Yeah, he scored two. And yeah, says. So- and um, he, he 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 knows I would have done one. Well. He, he was. You could see he was doing something to try and upset me and all this. And I'm like, I wasn't. I wasn't kicking up a fast one. if I just I got there, I was, you know, played a couple of games, scored, a four would be being the team, and then give me a call on a Monday, says, oh, the chairman's told him to cut the budget. And I said, all right, see you later, mate, take care.
3: <laughs> and then, <laughs> no, that's fair enough. It's lost then, I guess, because if you scored those goals in those amount of games, it, it could have been a good thing to push them up the league system, and everything. but uh, you went,
1: uh, yes, you went said, over to Chelsea. Them, them funny, James. funny, funny guys in football. Yeah, Chelsea oh. was, down, was down the road from me. Yeah. And, um, I rang Rod, the manager there, the top guy. Um, he said he he had my number from years ago, but mm. it was my old number. <laughs> so he said, come down and, and just sign them. You know, the team was doing quite well. So um, yeah, it was nice to be involved and not travel so far either.
3: <laughs> no, it must have been nice. And 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 then you sort of ended up in Nanita now, where you are and you've moved to. Was it a personal reason you moved up to Nanita that you yeah, moved was, up? Yeah.
1: Yeah, misses from here, so oh, excellent. We we'll are um, planning to move here around um, the new year. So yeah, I always say like, I might as well. Sort of, i gonna sign for the local team and then I spoke to the manager. He's, he's top man and you uh, know it's, it's been it's been alright.
3: So how's the season been so far? What? How many? You played about four games so far this season, is it? I have played, I think five games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You got, um, scored any? Yeah, I've scored four so far. Oh, nice! So, good, good record yeah. so far this season. <laughs> yeah, what, so. what are they, what are the Neaton's sort of ambitions for the season? What, what, what are they? You know, they pushing up the leagues. They trying to get further up the league.
1: Yeah, we want we at the beginning now, so we we want to we want to do well. We want our our goal is to try and get promoted, obviously. But yeah, it's early days and it's a long way to go. And um, well, our game on Saturday was cancelled because the team was playing one of them staff members, something like that caught COVID oh, so they, they can't play till the 16th so yeah we've got FA Cup game third qualifying round tomorrow night so looking forward
3: to that one uh, you still love it we've, we've um, been out to meet Trevor who was on the line earlier we've we've been to a couple of the FA Cup games and you know it's still it's that magic and like, it's that hope now of obviously you, you want us to get that third yeah. round and then is it after the third qualifying round is it yeah, the first round all... proper?
1: Two wins for two more wins in this uh, cup. Win tomorrow and play one more game, and then we go in the first
3: round. Uh, it would be amazing, would not it? And uh, that experience, it's yes. for the fans and to get a little bit of money into the club as well. Oh, um, yeah. and I guess you're uh, Nanita. The are they step three? I think they are, aren't they, of the national. I don't League know system? how they
1: put it. I step. I don't know what step. I, I think promotion I would be the to step. the
3: national south. I think from uh, Last, national north. National North so yeah so we're, you're at the same level as our, our sort of fanship down at Worthing the people that do this podcast move Horsham fans Worthing fans um, but I mean what, what's what been your sort of highlight of being in non-league so far you know since you've been back like what, what is your like if you could sell it to someone who's never watched it before what would you say as a former professional footballer playing in a non-league system what, what would you sell
1: it as? Oh it's, it's brilliant I think it's brilliant I think I want to speak to fans like they enjoy watching non-league more sometimes now yeah. because don't have the VAR or anything like that. You get the raw reaction, don't you? Mm. Like, um, you know, if the ball's over the line or anything like that. It's, yeah, you know, you, with the professional game, you've you, you got all the VAR, the, 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 the waiting five minutes to get a decision and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, it's just enjoyable. It's just pro- football. when It's just, mm. you know, every game's different and uh, exciting. I enjoy it, mate. It's just, it's, it's just great. It's just great to be a part of it.
3: I mean, for me, I think it's 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 the old game that maybe when I started watching. I mean, I'm 32 now. When I started watching, when I was younger. 32? You
1: sure?
3: Yeah, I know, mate. And <laughs> it's going sure bald and all that, that, you know, like that. Uh, yeah, it's like all of those things, and you're kind of like, you, you know, you're losing that. Um, that rawness now to all the money that's coming into the game, and you know to go back and watch it at like a level like we are at the non-league, where you can have a drink with your mates and you can yeah. sort of chat with the players in the bar after, and these really good away days. It, it's just a special thing. But um plans for the future in non-league? Would you like to go into sort of management of a non-league club, or are you going to just try and play yeah, as definitely. long as you can? I want
1: to I play, play for a few more years. So I feel yep. like if I'm, if I'm feel, feeling good, and then good. I'll, I I manage a Sunday team at the moment, so oh, excellent uh, as, as well. So we talk. Joint top of the league at the moment. Oh, congrats! So, yeah, yeah, we're long way to go, but um, yeah, I'm enjoying that as well. So it's just good to be a part, and I get to meet people in the area. We've all got the same passion. Football brings a lot of people together, and you meet some amazing people through. Oh. I've met some amazing people through football. So yeah, it's, it's it's great.
3: Do you think you'd always want to stay at the non-league level? Would you like to go higher up in the system oh, again?
1: My plan is to go back into professional game. Oh, I absolutely. don't think I want to be assistant or anything like that, but I want to earn my stripes. stripes oh, and, uh, you know, well, I'll, start, I'll start off at non-league and then we'll go from
3: there. Uh, well, I look forward to seeing it, uh, Leroy. It's been really good for you to come on. You know, if if, if, there's, if, if you could uh, carry on your love for non-league and put it to some former professional footballers uh-huh. and say, look, come down and have a little look. We, we're going to have loads of years ahead of fun in the non-league system. So I'll, it's really I'll, good I'll, to I'll hear.
1: Go I'll no problem. And you take care, James. See
3: you, mate. Yeah. Take care, Bye. buddy. Bye. Thank you, mate.
4: The Premier Non League podcast.
3: Leroy Lita coming to a management team near you soon for a successful Sunday league who are joint top of the division now. So good luck to you, Leroy, and thank you so much for coming on to the Premier Non League podcast. Fascinating interview, chaps. I think to be honest, it's good to have another big name on the podcast. You know, we don't call ourselves Premier for no reason, do we, Trevor?
0: We don't. I think it's quite interesting to hear about that little spell he had out in Greece, how corrupt it is. Uh, That's quite interesting. I think for him as well, uh, getting back to Margate, obviously where he grew up and everything and it not working out, possibly might not have alluded to it too much, but possibly that possibly hit, you know, a little bit um, for him. Maybe he was expecting a bit more when he went back there. Um, I like his coaching ideal as well. You know, get your stripes in the non-league game get yourself up the ladder and, you know, back into the programme. I think there's a there's a few pros out there, I think, that could do with listening to that sort of thing and, you know, making their mark, finding out how difficult it really is uh, before they end up, you know, maybe getting themselves a football league job.
3: No, and he definitely... Uh... I think he, he wants to progress. And as you said, he doesn't want to be someone's assistant. He wants to be a manager, you know, and fair play is going about it. So I could see him possibly becoming a player manager at one of these clubs and then, you know, working his way up and fair play to the guy. And good luck to him. You know, he played for Charlton uh, for a long period back in the early 2010s. And, you know, it was nice to uh, nice to see him and actually speak to him and he's a good guy. And, you know, I wish him the best of luck. And, you know, it'd be good. I said As I said to him at the end of the interview, it'd be good to uh, get a few more, ex-professional footballers in not just for because I think that's another thing that could get fans to these clubs you know if you were supporting a team and you had some one of these big names I mean I know for example um, Chris Dixon plays for Hornchurch at the moment he he didn't maybe make it in the professional game but he was a name because he played for Charlton he wasn't good but he's been playing well for Hornchurch maybe not so much this season because they're not doing as well this season in the league but you know you get some of these players and then you know, they they could draw some good good fans to the to the um to the league. Pete, you 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 wanted to say. Yeah, all I was gonna say is
5: um yeah, Jack Wilshere's is after a club at the moment, isn't he? So maybe a non-league club attracts him in and yeah. yeah, that that would help a local non-league team, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I
2: think going on that about you know South Shields again, Julio Arca um, was a massive, massive capitalist um back in twenty fifteen. Um, or 2014, I can't remember exactly the year, but um, he immediately put 500 people on the gate. And um, there's a bar at the club named after him now, and 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 he's a legend at South Shields Football Club, having made hundreds of appearances in the Premier League. But he he, he went back to he played Sunday football and and and, and played for us and was absolutely magnificent. You look at other players, I, I can only say of what I've seen around the Northern leagues, but um, Ricardo Fuller came to South Shields last year. Lee Hughes came. Stuart Bevan was at Shields with Mickalova just two weeks ago. Um, the list goes on and it, I just think it's great to see pros stay in the game, whether that's to play, whether that's to coach, to mentor. Um, it,
3: it, the more that can do it, the better. Well, I know it, Patrice it, Evra played in the pre-season friendly for one of the clubs. Did, in Manchester. Yeah. I can't remember what club really? it was, but you know, it. Drew attention, drew headlines. People went to see Patrice Evra play for this club, and you know, it, it. I'm not. I'm all for that. You know, there's one story that you know. It's going from. It's not non-league, but Chris Powell who managed Charlton to the league title in 2011, he was offered Ronaldinho. His agent came to him and he said no because Charlton he didn't want to have someone like Ronaldinho, no matter who it was. And I mean, I. I don't see why he'd lie about it, but how random Ronaldinho getting offered to Charlton when they're in League One just to get a few glory. But, you know, I say that a big name, especially for a non-league club, you look at it, it, happened at South Shield. You know, I think, you know, for example, Adam Hinchelwood at Worthing. Okay, yeah. he, he he was one of Brighton's most well-known players and he, he he's pretty much, you know, runs most of the football inside of the club, if not all of it now. And he's such a massive part of the club and he's brought a lot of people and a lot of respect to Worthing FC. So, you know, I think if any... I think if any non, if any footballer is listening to it, it'd be great. If someone is, if it is, let us know, but you know, have a go at non-league. I know I listened to the Peter Crouch podcast and I think he's 39 now and yeah, he's probably retired from the game, but he says he could still probably, he still misses that slight buzz of going to a football game. And he interviewed Harry Redknapp over the summer and Harry Redknapp's apparently wanted to buy a non-league club. And he said, hey, you've always got a job here, Crouchy. So you never know, you might see people like that back in the game and, you know, in the early forties, it would be good. Um but who knows with COVID and people out of clubs and you know people maybe releasing, you might see in the future a few more bigger names at non-league, which is gonna I don't see it be a bad thing for the non-league system.
5: I think the all. thing I think I think the thing is with with professional footballers, and you and you see in these charity games that they, they do, um that they don't all they do is they lose their physical attributes. They've still got it up there, and as Adam Inshaw always says to me whenever we talk about players or anything. He said, if they haven't got it up there, then, you know, they're, they're, ne- they're never going to make it. You know, you've got to have intelligence on the pitch. And pro- pros never lose that. They just lose lose their, their pace, basically. Mm-hmm. And then at the, the, lower, the lower leagues, like we were playing at Horsham on Saturday, not against Horsham, against Bowers. Um, but what one of their players was quite a big lump. And, you know, he had no pace about him at, at all. I don't know how old he was. No disrespect to him because he'd he done well in the position he was playing. But it just shows that, you know, these professionals at 37, 38 could probably drop down into our mm-hmm. league um, and, and just keep going and keep themselves keep themselves fit. Even you know before lockdown, I was playing him on Friday
3: night, having a little kick about, and I'm fifty now. You know, <laughs> <laughs> all right, mate. But yeah, but yeah, you look at people like Dean Hammond, who nearly signed for Worthing. We did sign for Worthing. He's Worthing's most uncapped player, and he obviously came from Southampton. And the story has it the reason he didn't sign for us was because during lockdown, it's again, it's lockdown's fault. He was he was all for coming back to Worthing, but then he was offered um, a job on Southampton's social media team, so he did quite a bit of stuff for them through lockdown. And he's now got a full-time job with Southampton, which obviously for his own livelihood and his family and everything is, you know, going to get him more money than playing for Worthing. And as much, it would have been great to him to have him around, but that's also like having someone like Adam Hinchwood in charge at the club, he's going to have contacts. And it was kind of a story like, Oh, do you want to come and keep fit with us? Trainer, why don't you play a few games for us? And it would have been good, but you know, hopefully we see it in the future. Absolutely. So I mean, going on for this, just wanted to give a shout out as we do at the end of the shows. Uh, It's nice to see Gloucester City, back at the ground. They had their game back against Kettering Town which was a 3-1 win at Meadow Park. It's nice to see obviously the heartbreaking story there losing their ground to flooding and weather. Uh, Pete, I know you like a good old shout out. Have you got anyone to shout out for this week? No, he hasn't, has he?
5: No, I haven't. I told you earlier, <laughs> didn't I? <laughs> um, yeah, there's a couple There's a couple of stories that I'll, we'll probably cover in the next podcast. But I will give a, a shout out to Elf Church Football Club because I, I went there the other week. Yep. Um, to watch their FA Cup game against Kidderminster Harriers, I don't know how, but some Kidderminster Harriers fans got into the ground, um, but they they did just stand there singing. We we are neutrals, um, mm-hmm. but, but yeah, Alf uh, our, our Church, a uh, v- very friendly club for a vi- you know for a village team in in the south of Birmingham. Um, and I was looking earlier and I had over 400, 400 people at their game at the yeah, weekend but Peter as well, we did so. tell
3: you you said your challenge was to go up and find a Midlands correspondent and you couldn't even do yes. that mate you're actually at a Midlands no. game no, <laughs> no excuse mate you talk to anyone at a football no. game what is going on there yeah i did i did speak to a few people and
5: none of them said they were experts doesn't uh, need to be an expert i mean i'm into. not exactly no, that's you, what you I kind say. of wing it yeah <laughs> that's what i said i was like you don't need to be an expert if you can you know obviously you know about your league
3: and everything and yeah, yeah. you know you know how shy these brummies are <laughs> yeah no yeah what's the accent i think sorry brummies listening don't alienate the whole of midlands yeah, now I, I, but anyway I'm, I,
5: yeah i'm a Brummy, mate careful yeah well
3: you're, you're 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 more of a worthingite now aren't you anyway down on the south coast for all your life for 60 years or something but anyway trevor i'm <laughs> just before i get cut off and punched on a verbal camera there trevor any shouts out from you mate
0: yeah, a couple of games off to this week. Um, Chichester, Tunbridge Angels in the FA Cup tomorrow on Tuesday night should be a very good game. We'll see Tunbridge quite aware of Chichester's exploits next season, but looking forward to catching up with uh, Tunbridge manager Steve McKim, who I spoke to over the lockdown period. Wednesday night, Tunbridge Wells and K-Sports. Tunbridge Wells, I'm, I'm beaten in the league so far this season, but very strong at the top of the Kent League with Corinthians having won seven out of seven, Chatham, Tunbridge Wells, and I think it's Sheppey yet to lose a game in their seven as well. Again, looking forward to catching up with Richard Stars, Dan Morin and Lee Carpenter again. Very good guys at Tunbridge Wells and probably a maximum capacity three hundred crowd there will be as well.
3: Fantastic. And Chris, yourself, anything, any any shouts or any plans in the next couple of weeks for you?
2: Uh, just a shout out for Shields obviously in the FA Cup third qualifying round at Southport on Tuesday night good luck. Um, look thank you looking forward to Saturday home home game back home on Saturday and just a shout out uh, I you might not listen I don't know but um, Callum McFadden who does football CFB who's had a fan just a meteoric rise with his podcasts and things one or two bits of negativity I've seen on social media surrounding um, surrounding Callum um which has been horrific to see Um, big shout out to him if anybody can get that to him Um, he's a great guy doesn't deserve the sort of stuff that's coming out at the moment and and I certainly wish him all the very best as he continues his rides through the ranks and the football
3: right as well well there you go mate. I mean give him it, give it a shout out get him involved you know give him a shout for the as our northern correspondent going uh, going, uh, our, our next northern correspondent because Ronnie couldn't make today but you should yeah. share the title to yourselves up there up north uh, but um, yeah give him a shout out you know we really want anyone to, we the whole point of the Premier Non-League podcast is get as many people involved you know any stories players you know we've had North Ferriby, we had uh, Mark Matissio from Guernsey on our first episode last week a mm. couple of weeks ago we just want to hear the stories and we say Phoenix Clubs anything so if you've got a story to tell get us on I know Pete's got some lined up with some fans I know uh, Trev's got a couple of players possibly lined up and we're constantly working on our social media so anyone who wants to get involved uh, please do Um, it has been a pleasure as usual chaps I've really enjoyed this evening Uh, hopefully you have as well please do check us out on our socials at the PNLP on Facebook Twitter and Instagram email us at the PNLP at hotmail.com and if you've got any what you want to hear we've got a Facebook group get involved we're not really having People involved, so please do get involved. We want to have a chat, we want to do that. Pete likes getting involved on socials, despite the fact sometimes he, he, he digs himself a hole, but we won't go into that anyway. Pete, well, no, what I was going to say is, um, people might have noticed
5: that there was a chat called Ian on earlier, um, but it, you've had an explain he had to leave the podcast. Yeah, I do
3: apologize. Yeah, 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 well, I mean, he's he's saving the world, as we said at the beginning, as a Covid test site worker, so he hadn't had any lunch today, so we let him off. We let him out of jail free tonight, but it can't yeah. happen again, Ian. Get your pot noodle next time, or, or I don't know. I won't be nasty because he's doing the COVID, and he might have to test me one time. You never know. So we will, we'll, we'll leave it there for, for that. But, gents, it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. Uh, look at you. yourselves. Stay safe, guys. Uh, let's hope the next time we're speaking we're not locked down. But from myself, we'll James, you. Pete, Trevor, and Chris, good night.
4: the premier non-league podcast.